This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. Hello, welcome to the show. Happy Monday, 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Text the show, uh, Cam Poitras, Jim Toth. Well, Jim, I you know, um, anticipation of sort of a... a Opening the show up with some with some good conversation following the three two uh, overtime win Saturday night late Saturday, uh, the game ending around midnight with overtime. Uh, but then of course some some awful news uh, coming uh, uh, this morning in regards to uh, Rick Bonus and his wife uh, Judy. Um, do you, I'm, I'll um, I'll just read read this here, okay? Yeah, just read the statement. Okay. And then. Uh, here's a statement that was issued by the Winnipeg Jets earlier this morning. Uh, Sunday evening, Judy Bonus, wife of Winnipeg Jets head coach Rick Bonus, suffered a seizure and is currently in hospital undergoing further testing. As a result, Rick is taking a leave of absence from the hockey club. Associate coach uh, Scott Arneal is serving as the interim head coach until Rick returns to the team. We ask everyone to respect the family's privacy at this time. Um, so that's the, the ongoing situation, uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. And of course, Rick bonus, who we send, uh, our most serious thoughts, um, uh, towards, which is obviously, a uh, an awful situation and we hope for the best. Yeah. It's very distur- disturbing, sad news. And, uh, we respect the privacy of course. And, um, Rick and Judy have been together forever as long, long as I've time. known. Long time. And um, I've only met Judy once. This is a bizarre story, but um, I was in Vancouver just visiting some people in downtown, and outside a store was Rick Bonus, who is an assistant coach of the Canucks. I was walking by, and he looked at me, and he's like, hey. And I knew who he was. And I'm like, hey. And he's like, do I? And I'm like, oh, I, you know, Winnipeg, Manitoba and stuff, cover the teams there and stuff. He's like, oh, yeah. Okay, enjoy your shopping. And Judy came out and said, oh, this is a guy from Winnipeg. And she goes, Winnipeg, hi. And um, so it has nothing to do with today's news. Mm-hmm. Just that's what I thought of when, when um, just yeah. how friendly of people they are. And that was years ago when he was in Vancouver as a coach. So we do wish the family the best. We are going to respect their privacy. And uh, Scott O'Neill takes over for this week, which sees games against St. Louis and then Detroit and Montreal. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, this was a decision, I mean, even to, to come back here to Winnipeg was – uh, a decision that uh, that Rick made with his wife. I mean, I remember uh, when he took over the job. There was a a couple of quotes. I I, I pulled some uh, here, and honestly, we were all set to retire. I had a couple of calls and and, uh, and offers to go to teams as the associate coach. This was this the summer following uh, him uh, uh, leaving the Dallas Stars. Had a couple of calls, offers to go to teams as the associate coach rebuilding, but I had no interest in doing that at my age. My wife, Judy, and I talked about it and said, listen, it's been a long run, a longer run than we thought possible. Um, Maybe it's time to retire. The very next day, we made the decision, and then Winnipeg called. I didn't know if they were getting me to get some insight from an outsider perspective on their organization and their team, and the call began, and I began to realize, okay, this is an interview for the job. And so like the thing that stood out in that quote um, to me with, from Rick, it was, it was always, we, there was no, like I decided this, I decided that um, this was a decision that he made to come back to Winnipeg that he made with his wife instead of retiring, which I mean, yeah, I mean, he even said in the quote, we've got everything in life we could ask for. Uh, maybe it's time. And so, uh, Obviously, a, a real tough day for for Rick, and of course, we we wish him the best. Tough day for the Winnipeg Jets organization, and uh, yeah, 
just hope hope everything uh, everything turns yeah, out. Yeah, send well. best wishes to her and um, Rick as well, and uh, hopefully he you know stays away as long as uh, he needs, and uh, Judy recovers uh, well, and 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 we wish her a speedy recovery. Yeah, absolutely. I'm um, just getting word from the Winnipeg Jets organization. Alex Iafalo is going to be joining uh, us at 12:30. Looking forward to that conversation uh, with him. He has a fa- had a fantastic start from the number one line, Alex Iafalo. That's right. He's had a fantastic start uh, with the organization so far. He scored some big goals um, uh, in in his in his first couple of. He's he's got uh, he's got four points, three goals in five games. He's a plus one. Um, and so looking forward to having him on the show uh, following uh, coming up at uh, 1230. So Lowry, uh, there was the Winnipeg Jets were holding a practice at 11 a.m. No real changes, nothing really uh, of note. Uh, but Lowry not skating today. I you know, the, the thought is that it is a maintenance day, um, but we'll get some more word on that um, uh, once the players and, and everybody starts to speak. Uh, later on during the show. Uh, special teams units, Ehlers, Shifley, Connor Iafalo staying up there with Josh Morrissey, and then Perfetti, Nemesnikov, Niederreiter, Schmidt, and then Pionk. Uh, and, you know, in the 3-2 win, Jim, uh, Connor Hellebuck had an absolutely fantastic game. A couple of big saves there. The whole team was shaky to start over the first uh, six to ten minutes of that game. Um and then Hellebuck made a, a, a two stops on breakaways from Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman, and it seemed to cool the team off. And it was after that that they, I seemed like they got to work. Yeah, it was a game that I think for everybody who is wondering, and, and rightfully so, we talked about the four plus goals a game and and how many they'd given up in four, and Connor Hellebuck and Lorraine Bersois in goal for one of them. Um, I had I had a lot of the texts over the first three games, or texts, uh, I should say, tweets and. Uh, emails about Connor Hellbuck is not a big time goalie. Connor Hellbuck's not a um, playoff goalie. He'll never win the big one. Yeah, blah, three. Blah, blah. It's it's incredible how three games and then it just everything just deteriorates. Yeah, and and the only reason I bring that up, look, and I'm not making fun of people who who take those shots. That's what we're here for. It's discussing, and everybody has entitled to their opinion. But Connor Hellebuck is the reason why they won that game on Saturday. If if Connor Hellebuck's not in net, and no disrespect to Lauren Brisson, that's mm-hmm. five nothing at the end of the first period easily. Yeah, um, he is a game changer, and he finally got his game back. Now I'm not also going to say that I thought he played well in the first three games. I thought he played okay, but not up to his level. But I think what people often forget is when the wins and losses uh, pile up is his level. His level is higher than 80% of the other goaltenders in the National Hockey League, and mm-hmm. that's that's what it was. Now, the first goal, he overplayed it, um, but the vision of Connor McDavid to see Leon Dreisaitl there, mm-hmm. and that's why he came sliding across the key, crease, and then the wherewithal of Dreisaitl to understand... That was the second goal on the power play. Well, no, it was, yeah, Bouchard. Yeah, yeah. It was the peripheral vision of Dreisaitl at that speed to get to know McDavid was yeah. going to see him, but to see Connor Hellebuck come all the way across, because most guys one-time that, right? Yeah. So to him to put it back to the point to Bouchard, knowing that Hellebuck was coming across, I mean, this is elite hockey-level knowledge players, and I don't have to tell anybody that, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and all that. Nine times out of ten, Dreisaitl is firing that puck. Yeah, that's what I'm I ex- said. I'm expecting him to shoot that puck. The fact that he didn't, I was like, oh, the vision on that and the wherewithal, but look, Connor Hellebuck stood tall. The breakaways didn't get good shots off, but they're they're literally breakaways. One mm-hmm. when it's 2 nothing would have made it 3 nothing. The other one was right after the Jets made it 2-1. <laughs> Um, and then he did not have a busy second period, and then he was extremely busy once again in the third period. Mm-hmm. So 
as I've said, when somebody called in, Connor Hellebuck is going to give up seven to 10 to 11 bad goals this year. He's going to have four or five bad games this year. He That's just normal. But he's also going to steal this game, this team games about 12 to 15 times this year. And that was number one on Saturday in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that the Jets perhaps were a little too tentative in the beginning, letting the Oilers sort of dictate play and for periods through the third period? I mean, Oilers are a really good team, but I felt like it was there was uh, times where the Jets were sort of reacting uh, to what the Oilers were doing, but they held strong. Yeah, like those are good plays, right? Like yeah. the, the first Darnell Nurse goal is just Appleton had him, mm-hmm. and you know who knows he's going to go down, right down the middle, and, and McDavid finds him. Um, so Appleton was diving to get a stick on it. Good on nurse to leave the point like that. So, uh, but yeah, look, the Oilers are one and four going into that game last night too, or one and three on Saturday. And I thought in all honesty, Winnipeg would roll in there and exactly what happened would happen, except I didn't think it would be two, one. Mm -hmm. I thought it would be three or four, nothing in the midway point of the second. And then the jets would have to find their ground. Um, we we did a lot in the summer, Cam, and, and you made us a, uh, a great segment where we would go up or down on stuff. Yeah. And the up or down on Josh Morrissey, and I think I said his play will remain the same or go up, but I find it hard to believe he'll get 76 points again without Wheeler, without Dubois on this team. I think I agreed with you, Jim. He His play has gone up. Mm-hmm. And he's already got six points in five games, so he's on pace for... And I I say this fully admitting that I didn't think... I thought he'd get about 65, 68 points this year. Right now, he's tied for second in in scoring from the blue line. He's got five assists, one goal. Um, Yeah, no... Across the entire National Hockey League, no slowdown in him. But to me, Cam, it's about the play in overtime to get the puck to Shifley. Mm -hmm. And it's about the play in the third period in Calgary in game one, where he kept it in, made a move, and then athletically somehow fed it right on the tape to Shifley, who tied the game then in Calgary. He's making all-world plays. It's not just about the points to me. Um, So he's off to a great start. And Mark Shifley is off to a great start. I can pick the shift in every game where he's... He left his man or that's his guy. Yeah. But those are few and far between compared to what we've seen in years previous. And then he's he's making a difference. His face-offs is he he mentioned this on a podcast with Edmonton's Ryan Rashog about a week ago that the face-off circle, he's like, Well, that's there's a lot of works this summer spent in the face-off circle. Yeah. Um, and so I I and I people listening might go, Well, why why now? Why not three years ago, four years ago? I can't tell you that, but mm-hmm. what I can tell you is I think it's Rick Bonus. I think it's Rick Bonus coming in with a new direction. They went through the year they had last year. It ended the way it ended. We all have discussed that. But then I think conversations were had and and there's no wheeler here and there's there's no, you know, we might not have a number 2 center. We're looking at making Cole Perfetti that, but I need you to be better in the faceoff circle. Yeah. I would think, right? Like I would think that conversation would happen every summer, but this summer goes Look, Dubois in LA. Well, this was something that we got Cole Perfetti trying to play center or he is a center, mm-hmm. but we don't know if he's ready. We, the one thing we need is you to win faceoffs this year. And he put the work in and I think he's had a great start to the year. Yeah. The Jets struggled last year in the faceoff dot. And that was something that, I mean, we were talking about that. Kevin Stenland was consistently right. having to go out there and win faceoffs uh, in the Jets defensive zone. And then he would have to hightail it off the ice <laughs> Um, that was a regular occurrence, and that affected people like Ehlers' ice time because sometimes you'd lose the face-off and you'd get hemmed in the other team's zone and guys would lose ice time. Uh, so that, I think that when Bonus talked about that so often last year, 
um, in terms of figuring out how to win more faceoffs and, yeah. and, and get the faceoff wins. Um, it's been something he's been keying on, talked about a, a, a little bit here, but it's something that the Winnipeg Jets have definitely improved on, and I totally agree with you on, on Josh Morrissey. I was expecting a little bit of a slowdown, considering there'd be more people keying on him, uh, you know, less opportunity out there. But uh, he's absolutely excelled, and those are the exact plays that I would, I would also suggest have have shown where his game is going, and it's going up. And is it just me that nobody is like they're keying on him, like they always yeah. have, but nobody's going out of their way to? I mean, the power play goal—he just walked right in, right? Yeah. What about Stuart Skinner? Real quick, we take we'll take a break here in a second. Uh, I I liked what Leon Dreisaitl have to say. After after the game, when somebody said, what do you say to him about that? He goes, say what? What? Everybody makes and mistakes. And he's like, well, when he does that, he goes, everybody makes mistakes. You yeah. think he doesn't know he made a mistake? What do you want me to say to him? Mm-hmm. That's, and I kind of feel that way. Like, he, made, it was a bad mistake. Yeah. Like, you got to commit. You, if you're going to go for it, but I don't know why. If he had two guys with him. I don't know why you're chasing that puck. I don't get it. If you're a Jets fan, thank you. Who cares <laughs> yeah. why? That's exactly right. Uh, 56.7% is Mark Shifley in the face-off circle this season so far through five that's, games. That's dynamite. 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. Let's take a break. Let's come back. A CFL team is making a change. I'll tell you what that's all about. And then after 1230, Alex Iafala, Winnipeg Jet, will be joining us right here on Jets at Noon. Don't go anywhere. Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. Well, here's the news coming down. This from the Canadian press. Craig Dickinson is out as head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The CFL team says he will not have his contract renewed. Uh, The Riders missed the playoffs with a 6-12 record. Uh, The club also says that general manager Jeremy O'Day has agreed to a new contract. So uh, not a full-scale change in Riderland. What's your thoughts on that one, Jim? Oh, that's a shame. Just, well, just they a lose seven and zero down the. I think it was zero and seven down the. They lost seven in a row. The last game they won that. was uh, Labor Day, and they had to win that one in um, overtime. It, I like him as a coach. I think he knows a lot. I'm surprised it's lasted this long. I, I yeah. thought that um, some of the decisions he'd made. I mean, it, under his tenure, some players have run wild, and we know the guys who've been cut. We know the guys who. I mean, even the headbutt in in the Labor Day Classic. Remember that? Yeah. And then the coming out and like, that's a prime time to just come out and say, yeah, it's unacceptable. And he got suspended and mm-hmm. we don't, we don't, but he didn't. He's like, well, yeah. I don't know. Like these things sort of, ah, yeah, it doesn't cut it. You just, you got to lead better than that. Right. So, well, and, and the fact of the matter is the riders probably win one of those games. They they're probably off to the playoffs of those yeah. last seven. Um, so that's just the situation the riders are in sucks to suck. Let's take a break. Let's come sucks back on the other su- side. Alex Iafalo was going to be joining us right after the 1230 news. Don't go anywhere. Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. Winnipeg Jets, 3-2 overtime winners over the Edmonton Oilers over the weekend. Uh, The uh, St. Louis Blues are going to get started tomorrow, 745. Weird puck drop. I guess it's a new initiative uh, by the National Hockey League. So we'll we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, But we're joined now by... NHL start times are like flight times now. Oh, you leave at 747 tonight. (laughs) That's when we're dropping the puck. That's exactly. Anyway. Yeah, anyways. Uh, 204-780-6868. We welcome Alex Iafalo forward for the Jets onto the show today. Uh, hey, Alex, how you doing? 
How you guys doing? Good, Alex. Thanks for joining us. Good. Thanks so much for for uh, thanks so much for for hopping on the show. Uh, we'll get into your, your your time here in 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 Winnipeg and how you've been enjoying it. How do you how do you feel playing on the on the top line with Mark Shifley and, and Cal Connor? But of course, um, some real sad news today in, in regards to your to your uh, head coach. Uh, we wish him all the best. And I guess when did you, when did the team find out? Yeah, pretty much this morning. Um, it was pretty sad today. So, you know, we wish him. Uh, Wish them nothing but the best and, uh, you know, good recovery and, you know, we'll miss them. Yeah, I'm sure. And uh, probably uh, amps up tomorrow's game for sure as uh, Rick and Judy and the whole family would want to win. Alex, thanks for joining us. I I made the joke when we found out that you were available today that you'll be calling from the first line. Uh, How's it feel to be up there? Oh, it's been good. It's, uh, you know, I played a couple shifts with them uh, in preseason. So, um, you know, they're, they're amazing players. So it's been fun playing with them and, um, you know, they control the puck a lot. So, you know, I'm just trying to, trying to get open and get a shot off, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, Stick tap, feed me boys, feed me. I'm right. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So is your, like your, your job on that line, you go to the net, create space for them. Yeah. I'm just going to be, yeah. Creating space, um, you know, getting open, playing all three zones, just, just sticking to my game. And, um, you know, it's, it's nice. They, you know, they're talking the, you know, on and off the shift and, um, you know, having good connection there. So uh, it should be a good game tomorrow. It's the first time we've had you on the show, Alex, since the trade. And I was just wondering about that. Like we were talking about you in a pregame on Saturday night. And, and I was mentioning that, you know, a guy like yourself would probably see a lot of opportunity here. And, and that's what's happened. Not I didn't know you'd be going up to the first line, but you've been on that line in preseason, as you said. You've, you've been up and down the lineup and you're on the power play. You've got four points in five games. Is that how you viewed the trade when it happened? Was there's a lot of opportunity in this lineup for a player like yourself? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, um, you know, you want to come to a team and, and, you know, do as best as you can. And, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to have the opportunity to, to keep doing that. And, you know, just just wanted to, you know, help the team in any way that I could. So, um, you know, I'm just going to try to keep playing hard and, um, you know, offense, defense, zone, block shots, whatever it may be. So, um, you know, just got to keep doing that. How long did it take you to become comfortable as a Winnipeg Jet? Uh, it was pretty quick, honestly. I came pretty early, maybe a couple weeks early, and um, you know the guys were super nice and uh, organization's been great. Just getting in, getting settled, and stuff uh, early on there was was perfect. So uh, it just felt like a family right away, honestly. Had you been here before, other than when that horrible team, the LA Kings, came to town and, and you scored some points against them? Uh, I see you played for the Fargo Force. Uh, all of a sudden, Minnesota Duluth, we have plenty of connections on the Jets roster that way. When you were in the area of North Dakota and, and, and Minnesota and stuff, had you ever been up this way? Never made it up here, honestly. It was, uh, oh yeah, I played in Fargo and, and Duluth, so we never, it's a little bit of a trek. Not yeah. too bad, but yeah, I never made it up. I was just young and, you know, just staying to hockey, whatever down there. So never made it up here, but it uh, feels uh, pretty similar, you know? Yeah, well, we have a text here that asked us if we saw the Connor Hellebuck interview on After Hours on Hockey Night in Canada, and Cam and I watched it after mm-hmm. and on the weekend, of course, and he mentioned you as you're his new fishing buddy and, and very outdoorsy and, and stuff like that. So so you must like the area as well as what's going on on the ice. Yeah, I'm loving it uh, out here. I mean, now that season's going, we don't have many off days, so, um, you know, you got to spend them wisely, but... No, he's been uh, – I was fishing with him and his family a few times and um, just the Red River there having some fun. So um, he's been great showing me some spots. And, yeah, there's a lot of outdoor stuff to do here. You catch any walleye? A couple walleye. Uh, caught a sturgeon. Ooh. Wow, catfish. 
there's a, there's a lot of different fish out here. It's pretty cool. Wow. I've been here for 15 years. I can't catch a sturgeon, <laughs> so good for you, man. Um, yeah, I got pretty lucky on that one. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of the lineup right now? And, and of course, Gabe Velarde going down hurts, and, and injuries are going to happen. Uh, Hainola doesn't make it out of training camp like that. But, you know, you sort of got two and three record here. You've been in most games, a rough one against your former team in the second and the third period. But overall, how do you feel about the team and, and going into this week with three games? Yeah, you know, we were just talking about it. Um, I feel like we, we have been playing pretty well, and obviously a few periods here and there we got to fix it. Um, fix our mistakes but you know we're uh we're feeling pretty good so after that game uh overtime winner there we got some more energy so um you know we're excited for the next few games and you know we're uh you know we're gonna play for uh for the family there and rick um you know so we're just gonna keep going here and stay positive what was the bench like after you guys went down uh two nothing early on in that game on the weekend it was pretty calm i feel like um you know we knew we were playing all right and just had to fix some things so it was just more of kind of stick with it uh grind it out and um kind of push the puck forward just play a little more faster so we we try to do that and it, it worked well for us yeah i saw rick going down the bench giving everybody uh uh, uh you know some pats getting you guys into the game you can share anything there or just uh just some motivation yeah he's pretty good about that just trying to you know keep us going keep us um you know into the whole game if we're you know down he's He's always given us tips to, you know, get back up and get get the team going. So that uh, that goes a long way, you know, help us out. Uh, also during the game, I loved, I was working the post game on our broadcast here in the radio station, Alex, and Josh Morrissey's quote of when they said, did you notice Connor McDavid wasn't in <laughs> overtime? And he's like, yeah, that's the understatement of the year. Um, but I know you play a lot, even in LA against lines like that. And even when you'd play the Jets, you'd play against their top line. Do you like that challenge when, when you go into Edmonton like that and, and whatever your role is that, uh, it does usually include playing against the best and, and trying to shut them down? Yeah, I guess that, uh, yeah, over the years I have been doing that, so. I guess it feels more of uh, you know I just want it, the challenge, yeah, to you know defend, defend, you know just help help them not score. You know you just want to stop the puck and um, you know take it down the offensive zone. So I guess yeah, the challenge uh, probably the biggest thing that over the years. How important of a of a of a win was it? Uh, last game. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a huge win for us. We needed that. Um, Obviously, yeah, yeah. I mean, we need we need that win big time. We got to keep winning here uh, down this stretch. So, um, you know, overtime winners gives you some good energy too. It's pretty fun to win win yeah. overtime like that. You know, yeah. It's something that Jim and I have been talking about. Um, there's been lots of change, like very early on. Usually, over the last couple of years, there's been some perhaps some hesitancy from organizations and from coaches to make changes um, so quickly. I mean, listen, the, the season's only four or five games into it, uh, there needs to be a level of patience here as well. But um, it, it seems like that points are at a premium right off the bat here. There's no time to wait and, and dance around and wait for things to come together. you got, you got to pick up wins now. Yeah, you got to get in stride early on like this, you know, and, yeah, points are big even if, you know, over time, whatever, it's uh, you got to start winning games pretty early and get, get, your, uh, get the team going. So, you know, that's what we're trying to do. We're staying positive and, uh, you know, string some wins together. Central Division battle tomorrow night, uh, 745. Two questions in this one for you, Alex. The 745 puck drop, uh, is that going to challenge anything of the routine? And, and then also, what do you expect from the Blues being a division rival? 745, yeah. it's. Uh, 
Uh, I guess now that there's so many different times, it doesn't really, it's not a big deal for us. Um, let's see, what was the other question? Division just, rival. Just about Thanks the Blues, yeah. What, what you know about the Blues this year and what you're expecting from them now that they are a division rival for you? They're definitely a strong team, yeah. So we're going to have to stay aggressive as well. Four check, moving pucks up. Um, that should be a good good game. And um, just got to stay on them, honestly. Just move the puck through the middle and, and win our battles. This one real quick here, and then and then we'll let you go. This is from a texter. He says, Alex has the best goal song. Uh, he seems too young to be a Poison fan. <laughs> no, I, my parents grew up with that kind of music, so I, I still listen to it today. Yeah. So I had to pick something from the 80s for sure. I'm on board with it, Alex. I've said many a times what CJOB needs is more Poison and, and Cult. <laughs> so if the next time you come back, you make a recommendation, we'll find a bumper for you, and we'll do this too. Al- Alex... <laughs> Hair metal can fix anything, right? That's true. Oh yeah, a I good a good hair metal ballad. Oh yeah, yeah. you get you get Sit a ballad at the end going. of a dock. Yeah, couple in a couple in you already. Put a line in the water. You're going to catch for sure if you got some <laughs> some metal ballads going, right, Alex? That's how it works. That's how it works. <laughs> Alex, I follow Winnipeg Jets forward. Alex, um, you know, fantastic start to the year for you. Uh, you know, Jets fans really excited about it, and um, you know, you take care. Thanks so much for joining. Will us. your parents make it up, Alex? Uh, probably. Yeah. My mom made it out. My dad, uh, I'll probably catch him on the road at some point. So. Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering if that's it. Awesome. Thanks for doing this, man. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Awesome stuff there. Right. Great interview. Yeah. Alex, a cool guy. Not, not often a 29 year olds into the hair metal ballads. So this is, he's a Renaissance man, really. You know, he must've grown up with, uh, people, uh, around the likes of Jim Toth. Yeah. Maybe, you know, yeah. maybe his, his dad probably has some. At some point, some John Bon Jovi hair or something like that. There That's you go. Some Iron Maiden hair. Um, he's a really unique individual. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I the, the way I knew him as a king was like the thorn in your side, right? Like yeah. come playoff time, he would be the depth guy that would get you a key point or a key goal. Um, but he's really made the most of this, and now on the number one line. And and obviously, as you could tell by that interview, he probably doesn't care if he's on the third line or the number one line. I'm just going to contribute, but he has been exceptional. I had no idea, like John Shannon mentioned this on a post game. I knew his game, but I had no idea that much speed. Like Mm -hmm. he can, he can wheel. And then he's Mm -hmm. contributing on the power play too. three goals and four points in five games came as advertised. He's got a great tip. Uh, He's got a pretty dang good wrister from in close. Um, And yeah, and he works, right? Like he's a Rick bonus type guy. Like he works up and down the ice. He works hard. Yeah. I know he's impressed a lot of people here and great interviews like that. Absolutely. 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Let's take a break. Oh, here you go. Could you imagine? I mean, it's not possible. It never was. If I made the NHL and I scored a goal and this came on. I'm riding the stick. Can I, you're asking I me if am, I can imagine that? I am riding the stick to center ice. Well, Jim, if you ever scored in the National Hockey League, like, you know, you, you do whatever you need to do. Like, act like you just won the Stanley Cup because that, that chance like, ain't coming all, again. It would have gone in off my butt or something. I wouldn't have scored it. Like, but it would have been I had a right place, right time. Maybe off my toque and in the net. But I'm both gloves in the air, full blast Timu Solani shotguns, and riding the stick to center ice. And then I'm looking at my goalie and I'm like, you want a good time? And then I'm telling the crowd to get up. We'll be right back. And then I get benched for taking too long to celebrate a one goal season. It'd be worth it. Think about it. I want to know what you'll do. Shh. 
Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. Welcome back to the show, 204-780-6868-204-780-6868. If you're just joining us, uh, Rick Bonus has taken a leave of absence from the hockey club uh, Sunday evening. His wife, Judy, um, suffered a seizure and is currently in hospital undergoing testing. Associate coach Scott O'Neill is going to be serving as the interim head coach uh, until Rick returns to the team. Uh, and, of course, they ask everyone uh, to respect the family's privacy. So just giving you an update. There's no other update, uh, just that information um, from the team. So if you're just joining us, just wanted to make sure um, we got that information out there. And a couple uh, of texters saying that too. So, yeah. yeah, obviously everybody wishes the bonuses the best. And mm-hmm. uh, hopefully Judy has a speedy and, and uh, great uh, recovery, and we'll see Rick soon. Uh, whenever that may be, Scott O'Neill takes over again. But thanks to COVID, uh, he has been behind the bench and running it um, yeah. since he's come in as associate head coach as well. So second going to St. Louis. Uh, two texts here I want to bring up, if you don't mind. Yep. One was, uh, it was nice to see Dreisaitl pull a Shifley on the overtime goal. <laughs> I, I, I bring that up because, like, it happens. It's okay. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not, I know what this texter is saying. It happens a lot in the past couple of years with Shifley, but it happens even from players like that. Players are going to get beat. Players, are, even the the dry sidle uh, penalty on Rasmus Kupari in the fr- I was like, that's what are you doing? That's but then I'm like, it's shocking because it's dry sidle, right? But those are dumb plays. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what happens, man. The most talented players, they still make mistakes. There's human beings on the ice, and all that talent, all that skill, all that hard work going into it doesn't add up to perfect mistakeless hockey. Yeah. And the other one is what we talked about was uh, what did you guys think of the interview Scott Oak had with Hellebuck? Um, It's always interesting because the whole, all of Canada, I don't think knows that Scott's from here Mm -hmm. and Scott will spend a lot of time, you know, when he's not working at practices or talking to guys or just, um, so he was bringing up a lot of the experiences he's had with Hellebuck and stuff. So, but I mean, what an interview. And I just, I've told this before you and I've discussed it when, when Hellebuck came in, in that first rookie camp and he was about 120 pounds and he was so nervous just asking him, I didn't know who he was. He was a fifth round pick mm-hmm. and we had to stop and start again. Cause I'm like, it's okay. Just relax. I'm not. And that's what they were here learning, right? Is part how to talk to, but most Canadian players, juniors or college players come out of draft having some media training. Mm-hmm. He came out of UMass, but at the time he was drafted, he was out of that league in Texas. Yeah, Odessa. I don't think they have media training. No, I don't think so. So um, it, it was just, I, I remember that and I, to how far I've come, but what, oh, get your thoughts on the interview. I mean, it's such an in-depth, great interview with Hellebuck. Yeah. But um, his belief in himself and how, the, the, the interesting part about it to me was how he got that belief. Like we sit here and kind of chuckle and laugh and like, it's kind of like wrestler talk, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm the greatest or I believe in myself, blah, blah, blah. But when you hear about how he needed that belief and how that belief has found the success, that's why he clings to it, right? Like that explained, that interview explained to why he thinks that way. A hundred percent. That is exactly what I took away from it. And if you haven't seen the interview, it's available on YouTube. Just put after hours, Connor Hellebuck uh, into YouTube. It's a 20 minute conversation as well. If you want to know a little bit more about Connor Hellebuck, how he ticks, I would really suggest going and spending 20 minutes, finding some time. I mean, listen, everybody's got to get away from the family for a little bit and just pop the headphones on. So that's a good, it's a good way to do that. Um, But that's exactly what I took away from it is, is, and, and particularly organizations and teams. And we heard, uh, we heard uh, this uh, from Connor Hellebuck after he signed with the Winnipeg Jets when he said, this team believes in me as much as I believe in myself. 
And when he went to Odessa, when he didn't get drafted um, in in the in the junior league there, um, you know, in Michigan and in, in in the United States, and he got picked up by Odessa, and you have the guy who runs the Odessa team uh, hockey team there um, saying like. Who's Connor Hellebuck? And they type his name in, and he goes, <laughs> "Wow, this is good. We can get this guy for sure because nobody in the world knows knows He's who alive. he is. He's alive. He wasn't in the top five hundred prospects for goalies. Yeah, and so, and it's that moment where where Hellebuck looks at that and he goes, "Yeah, those guys really believed in me, and they gave me a chance." And about his time staying in Winnipeg, he said the same thing. It's like, why would I leave the place where it all came together and a place where these guys? believe in me again, as much as I believe in myself. So, um, and that, that was interesting, right? Yeah. He has, he has, he has unwavering confidence in himself, but I don't think he would be at this spot in his life where he is right now. Three time Vesna nominee, Vesna winner, um, without that, without, without that unshakable confidence in himself, he wouldn't have been able to go from, uh, an obscure team in Odessa to UMass Lowell, which is not a huge hockey organization in the NCAA, uh, to being, a top five goaltender in the National Hockey League. And and that was interesting to me because if at any point, like there's a lot, I would think predominantly in the hockey world, yeah, this is a, is a wild card team, a bubble team. Mm-hmm. And what he talks about winning, at any point in this process, given all that great things he said about this organization and why he, want, why he is staying, if he didn't feel like they were in it to win every yeah. year, he wouldn't have stayed yeah. as much as he's loyal and everything else. But that's what stood out to me when he said his conversations with Sheveldayoff and his willingness to to want to win and all that. But, I mean, how many successful people do we see that weren't expected to be successful, regardless yeah. of what field it is, and how they got there is what they cling to and believe in. Mm-hmm. And I just found that phenomenal. Like, I, I really got finally got to know where he gets that confidence from. Yeah, And it's because when nobody else believes in you, to get somewhere, you have to believe in yourself. And then whatever me- me- mechanisms or people in your life helped you believe in yourself and then you get success, yeah. you cling to that. Yeah, And, he and that's what he's doing, right? He's clinging to it. that circle and that organization and everything else. It's a phenomenal interview, but it really makes sense. Another amazing fact, he can't do the splits. He might, I don't know the how many athleticness nash- of this position <laughs> that he was talking about blew yeah. my mind. Yeah. And I don't the know fact how that many- he's like, I just, I, in my mind, I, I use my brain. And I think the shot's going 50% here, so I'll go 100% there and stuff. He can't do the splits. Like how he he said, I don't want to knock athletic goalies, but they're always trying to. That's you know, a guy out of position if he has to make a <laughs> save like that. That's what he said. I was like, how, I see how an athletic save. I see a goaltender out of position. Why aren't you in the right spot? I mean, I remember Calm, cool, stories about Mika Kiprasov in Calgary, two packs of darts a day and 90 minutes of yoga before and after the game. And I thought this is the most unhealthy thing, but at least that's how flexible he is. That's how he's... Connor Hellebuck doesn't concern himself too much with <laughs> It's worked for him. Hey, it's worked for me. It's a great game on Saturday. Great interview. Find it if you yeah, can. Absolutely. Go and find that. Jim Toth's going to take you all the way until 3 o'clock. Thank you so much to Tyson Wiki for producing the show. Great job. That's it for me. I'll be back same time tomorrow. See ya. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.